a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thank you for your company. Let's check what's making news this Tuesday, the 24th of November. The boss of Qantas has announced you won't be able to fly overseas without a COVID-19 vaccine. Alan Joyce has told Channel 9 they're currently looking at changing their terms and conditions on international flights. What we're looking at is how you can have a vaccination a passport, an electronic version of it that certifies what the vaccine is. Is it acceptable to the country you're travelling to? So there's a lot of logistics, a lot of technology that will be needed to put in place to make this happen. Mr Joyce says they're still deciding whether a similar condition would be needed for domestic travel. While the flying kangaroo is hoping by Christmas, interstate travel will get back to 60% of what it was before COVID and 100% after, providing states reopen before December 25. Meantime, vaccines could be rolled out earlier than expected after more promising results from the Oxford University trial. Professor Adrian Hill from the university has told ABC America administering the vaccine in different doses is highly effective in preventing the transmission of COVID and its life-threatening complications. So to get 90%, what you have to do is to give a half dose for the first immunisation and a full dose for the second immunisation. And in that group, and there were thousands of people in it, the efficacy was highly statistically significant, so very unlikely to be a chance finding, and uh, the efficacy was 90%. The Oxford vaccine is cheaper and easier to store, and the Australian government has already purchased more than 30 million doses. The New South Wales Premier has come under fire for reportedly not self-isolating while awaiting the results of a COVID test. A spokesperson for the Premier says after suffering a croaky voice, Gladys Berejiklian had a test as a precaution. The rapid test was turned around in about two hours, which was negative. Speaking on the ABC, New South Wales Jobs Minister Stuart Ayres has backed the Premier. I think she's evaluated what's important for her. I think that she's not exhibited any symptoms and she's done the right thing. And a tragic start to the NRL preseason with a rising star player dying during training. 20-year-old Keith Titmus from the Manly Sea Eagles felt sick during a running session yesterday and was rushed to hospital but died a short time later. We'll have more details on this story in sport shortly. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning. Another food delivery rider has died after being hit by a truck in Sydney overnight. The latest death has prompted concerns for the safety of delivery employees, with five workers now killed on Australian roads in just the past three months. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has more. Yet another tragedy, Tash, an Uber Eats rider who was delivering food in Redfern last night killed after he was hit by a truck which was carrying an excavator. Emergency crews were called to the intersection of Chalmers and Cleveland Streets to find the man had died at the scene, with the truck driver, believed to be in his 30s, taken for mandatory testing. As you said, Tash, he's become the fifth delivery rider to die on our roads in three months. It's prompted calls for delivery drivers and riders to be given more protections. Daniel Mookie, who's the New South Wales Shadow Minister for the Gig Economy, says these tragedies show that our laws are out of date when it comes to regulating the gig economy. The- 
these deaths must serve as a wake-up call to all governments to fix our broken workplace health and safety laws and workers' compensation system so they actually look after people at work. Everybody who goes to work deserves to be able to come home safely. Now, Uber Eats has also made a statement calling the news incredibly sad, saying they've notified SafeWork New South Wales and admitting more needs to be done to improve road safety. Victorians and Sydney siders could find out today when they will be allowed back into Queensland. Our reporter Joseph Ogilvie has the details. It's a moment thousands of families across Australia have been waiting for, Tash, and today it may finally arrive. The Queensland Premier saying she'll be providing an update on the state's border situation in the coming hours. Anastasia Palaszczuk feeling the most positive she has all year about the COVID-19 situation south of the Tweed. New South Wales Wales leader Gladys Berejiklian says her state's gone a month with no mystery cases and is demanding compassion. I don't understand the decision-making up there. They're making up stuff as they go. It's tipped the Sunshine State's doors may open to Sydney siders and Victorians on December 1. For people like Eleanor, who haven't seen loved ones in months, it could deliver an early Christmas miracle. It's absolutely fantastic. I'll be able to spend Christmas, you know, with my family and um, my little cousins. Now for the latest in business and finance news this Tuesday morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, an interesting speech from the Prime Minister about the trade relations between Australia and China. Tash, good morning. Yeah, that's absolutely been the case. Over the last few months, we know that trade tensions have continued to escalate. And the real concern, of course, if they keep getting out of control, we may well find ourselves with even more trade embargoes out of China. And that has the real potential to derail our economic recovery. So much Australian Output is sent overseas, and China is our largest trading partner. The real concern, of course, they've already locked barley, cotton, wine, uh, plenty of others, but there are some big commodities, some big issues, education, one of them, uh, of course, iron ore, the really big one if it gets that bad. And Scott Morrison basically trying to say, hey, guys, just cool your jets. We don't have to choose between the US and China. And that's important because Australia has been seen really for a couple of decades as, as kind of you know, the US deputy, as I think John Howard famously said, if we can get this back on track and give the Chinese a sense that this is not just about us and America versus them, hopefully that'll lower the tension and the temperature somewhat. Let's hope so, Scott. And talking about superannuation, that war is certainly heating up and the possibility of capping super at the current level of 9.5% of salary gathers steam. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of tension, this is a really, really big one. The government has for a little while been toying around the edges of maybe capping the increase. Now, of course, it was supposed to go from the current 9.5% of salary, which is the employer contribution, to 12% by 2025. The first thought, of course, was maybe now isn't the time. And there's another really general view gathering steam, which is that maybe 95 is enough permanently. Maybe we don't get any more increase in super in the foreseeable future. Now, those in, in support say this helps the economy and it helps those workers who can do, use the money now rather than waiting until retirement to get that cash. Of course, it may cost some of those workers literally a six-figure and sometimes a larger six-figure sum if that doesn't happen by the time they get to retirement. So this is one of those trade-offs. You know, that do we put away the nuts for winter or do we, do we eat them now? Uh, I think it's probably one of those situations where we've got to be a little bit careful what we hope for. The idea of super is to make sure we have a, a good retirement and that the budget isn't put under undue stress, but it's going to be one that continues to roll out over the next couple of months up to the budget in May. It's got some good news for the Australian Stock Exchange. It's up almost 11% in November. <laughs> And this is phenomenal. 2020, what a year, hey? Like, we've had so much stuff go on. And at the moment, this is looking like it. I mean, look, still a few days to go and anything can happen. We certainly know that. 
But at the moment, at almost 11%, it's greater than the best ever month for the ASX 200. Now, that index was brought into being in 2000, so the last 20 years, not all that long. But 8.8% was the best ever month, and we look to be meaningfully ahead of that right now, and potentially the best month on the all Lords since 1988. So 2020 just keeps on giving. Of course, the US markets are already at record highs. We haven't yet got back to our February high. We're roughly the, the best close since February but not quite back to that February 19 level before COVID really started hitting investors hard. But yeah, right now, it looks like it's going to be a very, very good month for the stock market. Anything is possible in 2020. Scott, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Now, let's check sport with Brett Thomas. And Brett, as we mentioned earlier this morning, there's been shock over the sudden death of this young NRL player. Do we know as yet exactly what happened to him? Yeah, shocking is the word. Good morning, Tash. That's a Keith Titmus, a promising young player from the Manly Seagulls. Was training yesterday. They had a 90-minute session out at Narrabeen. Fell ill after that. Some reports that he suffered severe cramp and fatigue. That hasn't been confirmed. He was rushed to Northern Beaches Hospital and then later taken to Royal North Shore Hospital. He died a short time later. In a statement, coach Des Hasler says that they've lost a member of the family. They're devastated, obviously. He'll be sadly missed but never forgotten. An outpouring of grief around the NRL and sporting uh, community. Marty Tapau, his teammate at the Seagulls, posting on Twitter that it's absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, a dual international, Lottie Takiri, a star in both rugby codes, says that losing kids in the prime of their lives is so hard to understand. And he was about to enter the prime of his athletic career. Just 20 years of age, but suggestions that he was going to be in the first team, uh, first grade team uh, next year. He scored uh, their their winning try in the uh, in their youth league grand final a couple of years ago and was named their Jersey Flag Cup players player for uh, 2019. So a player with a lot of talent, and as you said, just so shocking that uh, he died in this way. Sudden death, awful. Now, we know David Warner's a pretty great uh, cricketer, Brett, but he's also a selector, I understand. (laughs) Well, if he has his way, he'll have uh, Joe Burns as his opening partner for the first test against India, of course, December 17 at the Adelaide Oval. That is a day-night test. Now, those two have a really good bond on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, Six times last summer, they got the score ticking into triple figures, but Joe Burns has been struggling in Sheffield Shield cricket. Just uh, 11 he averaged across five innings, whereas Will Pekofsky is the young gun on the rise. He's just 22 years of age. Back-to-back double centuries. We hadn't seen that in such a long time. So that's where the pressure will come. But if Warner has his way, uh, he believes that they should look at Joe Burns' form for the national side. I didn't think Joe did anything wrong last summer. We put on some great partnerships, average over 60, and and that's what you want from your your opening partnerships. So that will be uh, the battle, the big talking point leading into that first test, Tash. And Brett, AFL now, North Melbourne has set some great expectations for their new head coach. They have. It raised some eyebrows yesterday. They finished uh, second bottom. Uh, they lost their, their coach, Reece Shaw, stood down after just one season. They cut about a dozen players. So it's not a great launching spot for a top four spot, but that's exactly what North Melbourne is targeting. Their chairman, Ben Buckley, saying yesterday that within two to three years, he wants their new coach, David Noble, to have them uh, contending for a top four spot. That's going to be really difficult, but the new coach, David Noble, who spoke for the first time yesterday, uh, isn't shying away from those uh, Goals. We've got to have ambition. There's no problem with that. You know, the chair made it really clear that, yep, we've got to get ourselves organised. We've got to build a plan. It's got to be long term, but there's no ceiling on our group. He was a highly respected administrator. His previous goals were to become a CEO of a club. He hasn't coached for a while, but he's, he's a great man manager. And uh, let's hope that he can get North Melbourne firing again.
Fingers crossed. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country this Tuesday morning now. Brisbane shower or two with a possible storm and a top of 31 degrees today. Partly cloudy, 23 for Sydney. Cloudy conditions also on the way this Tuesday for Melbourne with a high of 20. Partly cloudy and 23 for Canberra. 21, the expected top today for Hobart with cloudy conditions on the way. A beautiful day today for Adelaide, sunny and 25. Sunny conditions also expected this Tuesday for Perth, 33. And a shower or two and a possible thunderstorm for Darwin with a top of 34. And forget about the border closures. This is the story causing plenty of controversy in Queensland. His nickname may be Pineapple, but Queensland's most unlikely leader is ready to fight for his right to take charge. Under current rules, Chris Pineapple Hooper should be sworn in as Mayor of Rockhampton today after the controversial resignation of Margaret Strulo due to alleged misconduct. But the state government is expected to urgently change laws when Parliament sits, stopping him from taking charge, despite him coming second in the previous vote. The normally barefoot pineapple says regardless, he'll be running in the by-election and he wants a please explain. That doesn't worry me. Like That's what we're going to do anyway. So it's up to them to sort of, they've got to work out their strategy. You know, I'm only bloody yobbo, so they must think, well, we can beat this yobbo because he's only a yobbo, doesn't wear shoes. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every morning, please rate and review. And you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.